Red City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Smoke, starring William Conrad, the story of the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. You know, Chester, a morning like this makes a man glad to be alive. Oh, it's a fine one, all right, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. A little nippy, maybe, but just fine. Indian summer hanging on and winter holding off. You know, Chester, this time of year, I wouldn't trade western Kansas for everything east of the Mississippi. Oh, good. Pedro's got a fire going on. I built the fire, Marshal Dillon. Oh, good morning, Caleb. I've been waiting in this jail office for a full two hours. What time do you start work, Marshal? You know Caleb Andrews, don't you, Chester? Oh, yes, indeed. Hi, Mr. Andrews. Marshal, I have an order here from the U.S. District Court. I believe it's your job to serve such orders. Yeah, it is. I don't get them often, though. Yeah. Order of foreclosure and eviction on Ed Blake. Why are you doing this to Ed, Caleb? The man borrowed money from me. He gave me a mortgage on his farm and household effects. He can't pay it. Why do you think I'm doing it? It only came due three days ago. You sure didn't waste any time. I'm not interested in your opinions, Marshal Dillon. Yeah, amount of the mortgage. $420. What do you need with $420? You own half of Ford County now. Marshal, it's not your place. You know as well as I do why Ed Blake can't pay this off. His horse rolled on him last spring and broke his leg. And his wife and kid nearly broke their backs trying to get a crop out. I didn't come here to listen if to you. If you let this ride on through the winter, you'll get your money out of it. But if you go ahead and foreclose now, you'll wipe him out. Marshal, I already have foreclosed. You'd break a man for $420 you don't even need, huh? As I said, your opinions don't interest me. All I expect from you is to serve these papers. All right, I'll serve them. You'll notice they're to be served today. I said I'd serve them. Now get out. What? This office belongs to the United States government, and as far as I know, that's one thing you got no mortgage on, so get out. You may find I have some influence in Washington, Marshal Dillon. Then see if you can get me a decent salary for this rotten job of mine. It sure was a fine morning, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, it was. All right, Chester, let's saddle up. This is one job I surely wish we didn't have to do, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. My... This sure is a nice farm. Ed and Martha have put in a lot of work here the last four years. We don't have any choice, Chester. Yes, sir, I know. It's a downright shame, though. Hey, Marshal! Oh, boy. Well, hi, Jimmy. Look at here what I got, Marshal. Well, looks to me like a mighty dead coyote. Sure, that's what it is. <laughs> He's been killing my chickens, so last night I hid off behind the barn. Yeah? I got him with one shot, Mr. Dillon, and there wasn't even a full moon. Well, that's fine, Jimmy. Matt Dillon, how are you? Oh, uh, good morning, Martha. And Chester, too. Miss Blake? Well, I'm glad to see you. Get down, come on in. Oh, thank you. Jimmy... <laughs> Now that you showed that thing to Mr. Dillon, take it away somewhere. All right, Mom. <laughs> he sure is a big one, ain't he, Mr. Dillon? <laughs> yeah, about the biggest I ever saw, Jimmy. <laughs> He's real proud of those chickens of his. He's done fine with them. Well, here I am, though, keeping you standing out here in the yard. Come on, let's go inside. Well, uh, we 
really can't stay, Martha. Oh, nonsense. You don't get out here once in a coon's age. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you And see... you're just in time. Your favorite dish, Matt. I was about to take it out of the oven when you rode up. Cornbread. Buttermilk cornbread, huh? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's not here, but you will stay, won't you? Well, Martha, I'd like to, but... Well, we just can't, that's all. The thing is that, uh... Uh... You say Ed's away? Yes, he, he's in town. Matt, you're not yourself. What is it? Well, I... Suppose I ought to talk to Ed about this, but... Maybe it'll be better if he hears it from you. Here's what? Martha, I... I got a court order here. It has to do with that mortgage of Caleb Andrews. It's a... Order of foreclosure and eviction and sale. No. Oh, no. Here it is. We were so sure he'd extend it. He knows what happened and why we couldn't pay it. We were sure he'd extend it. Well, he won't. I talked to him. Matt, uh, how long before we have to get out? Five days. So soon. You were right, Matt. It, it is better that Ed hears it from me. Coming on top of everything else, it'll... Well, I, I can't let it break him. I, I just can't let it break him. Martha, if there's anything I can do, you you let me know, huh? Matt, I, I don't blame you for this. I understand. Well, come on in now and have some cornbread with well, us. Well, I, I, I couldn't. I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you anyway, Martha. But I, well, I just couldn't. Oh, no, it's just things in general, Kitty. Sometimes you get to wondering if it's all worth it or not. The Blakes, huh? Huh? Chester was telling me. Ah, Chester talks too much. It's not your fault, Matt. Somebody had to serve the order. Somebody has to be hangman, too. <laughs> Life's never all good, Matt. There's always a little bad in it. Well, in my job, it's more than a little. <laughs> Try making your living sometime as a dance hall girl. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. But when you gotta go out and boot somebody like the Blakes off their land and out of their home, then you start wondering what's right and what's wrong, that's so... Well, if you find out, Matt, let me know. I've always... Oh. oh, there you are, Marshal. I stopped by the jail. Well, all right, Caleb. What's on your mind? Uh, that Blake family, Marshal, they were supposed to vacate today. Well, they haven't done it. I rode by there a little while ago. According to the court order, they got until sundown. That they haven't made the slightest preparation to... <coughs> Marshal, I believe I'd prefer to discuss our business elsewhere than in the presence of this, uh, this... Easy, Caleb. Matt, uh, I'll go. Caleb, you're going to apologize to Miss Kitty right now. No. Apologize? <laughs> if you think I'm going to apologize to this cheap little baggage who's in this... <coughs> Matt, you shouldn't have done that. Finnegan! Take him outside and throw some water on him. Yes, sir, Marshal. Why not, Kitty? He had it coming to him. He'll do everything he can to hurt you now. He'll take it out on the Blakes, too. Yeah, maybe. Look, Kitty, I I just got an idea. Uh, I'll see you later. All right, Matt. Matt, the mere fact a man runs a bank doesn't always mean he's got a free hand in everything he does. A bank has stockholders, a board of directors. I've got to listen to them. I think they'd approve the loan, Clem. Another thing, Caleb Andrews is the biggest account I've got. If I crossed him by taking this loan you suggest, Matt, he'd break me. I see. All right, Clem, forget it. Matt, I, I realize I'm under obligation to you. You saved my life that time the James brothers held me up. Saved the bank, too, in fact. But that was part of my job, Clem. There's no obligation. I I was just asking you as a friend to help out another friend. Matt, I'd like to do it, but I just can't. Don't you see? Yeah, it? sure, Clem. I see. Just forget it. Got to think of my wife and the two girls. Yeah, of course you have. It's not that I don't want to. I help, understand, but... Clem. I really do. Forget it. 
There. That ought to hold it a while. That fire feels kind of good, Mr. Dillon. It's getting chillish out tonight. Yeah, I guess we better have Pedro lay in some more wood. Yes, sir. When winter sets in, it always makes you feel good to know you got a warm place to hold up. Be mighty rough not to have a... Not to... Yeah, I was thinking of the same thing, Chester. You suppose they vacated this afternoon? I don't know. We'll ride out there in the morning and find out. Sure is a shame. It's just too bad that... I've... Come in. Can we bother you, bother you man? Ed! Oh, oh well, come in. Come in, Martha. Well, hiya, Jimmy. Uh, well, uh, come on up to the stove, folks. Come on. Matt, the fact is that we... We kind of like to impose on you for tonight. We haven't got any place to go. No money. Wondered if we could sleep in the jail tonight. Oh, sure, Ed. Uh, uh, Chester, would you, would you get a fire going back there? All right, Mr. Dillon. And dig up some blankets out of the storeroom, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, Want to come help me, Jimmy? Jimmy? <laughs> no, you... You go along with Chester now, boy. Oh. All right. He, um, he doesn't understand all this, Matt. He, he... Uh, Ed, we, we may as well get your stuff out of the wagon, I guess. Well, there ain't any wagon, Matt. We walked into town. Six miles? With that leg? I know, but that wagon, the horses, all the household goods, they're all covered by that mortgage. We didn't take anything. Except the clothes on our backs. Oh, so help me, Ed. So help now, me if it, I could... It's all right, Matt. We know how you feel. But after all, we started with nothing before. We can do it again. But there's no reason you should have to. We do have to, though. And that's that. Ed and I can accept it. We're not bitter any longer. Jimmy can't understand. He's He's been carrying on pretty bad, but he's just a boy. And in time, he'll be able Mr. to... Dillon? Yeah, what is it, Chester? It's Jimmy. He grabbed a rifle from off the rack and took out the back way. I couldn't stop him. Huh? Where on earth is he going? I think I know where he's going. And heaven help Caleb Andrews if we don't catch him. Return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, that widely traveled man of music, Mr. Vaughn Monroe, will land in Pottstown, Pennsylvania this Saturday night. The Moon Maids, the Moon Man, and the Monroe Ensemble will be on hand to enliven the session. Remember, tomorrow night and every Saturday evening, it's Vaughn Monroe and his musical caravan on most of these same CBS radio stations. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Mr. Andrews' house there on the corner. Looks dark, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, he may not be home. I sure hope he isn't. No sign of the boy around. Reckon he broke in the house, Mr. Dillon? Maybe. Any hot's ten to one, this is where he headed for. His mother said he was real upset about it, and it's just like a kid that... Chester? Hmm? There's somebody back of that tree up there on the left. Hmm. Yeah. Think it's him? I don't know. Just keep on walking. Yeah, it's him, all right. I can see the moonlight on the rifle barrel. Will we try to rush him, Mr. Dillon? Not unless you're thinking of suicide. I'm going to talk to him, Chester. Jimmy? It's me, Matt Dillon. Go away, Mr. Dillon. Better go away now. Don't bother me. I can't do that, Jimmy. You're a friend of mine, and I figure you're waiting here to do something that you'd be sorry for, and I, 
I can't let you do that. Nothing you can do about it, Mr. Dillon. I got a gun here, and I'm going to kill him. You go away now. Leave me alone. Jimmy, I know how you feel. I don't like Caleb either, but killing him's no answer. You folks feel bad enough already. Think how it would hurt him if you did. Stop, Mr. Dillon. I'll stay where you are. Don't come any closer. I have to, Jimmy. It's my job. So if you're going through with this, I guess you'll have to kill me first. No, no, Mr. Dillon. Now stay back. I'm sorry, Jimmy. I don't have a choice. But you do. No. No. I couldn't shoot you, Mr. Dillon. You know that. Sure. I knew you couldn't. I kept waking up nights and hearing Mom crying. Dad would sit up all night without the lamp lit, no fire. Not say anything, just sit. Easy now, Jimmy. Why is he doing it to us, Mr. Dillon? Jimmy, listen to me. Will you do something for a friend? Yeah. You say so. All right. Then take that rifle back to the jail and put it in the rack and go to bed. Now, you promise? Yeah. I promise, Mr. Dillon. I'm sorry. I'll do like you say. You're all right, Jimmy. Good night, son. I could have told you Clem Bates wouldn't do anything, Matt. He wouldn't dare. He'd be scared Caleb would take his money out of the bank. Yeah, that's about what he said. I don't know, Kitty. I've done everything I could possibly think of. Well, the worst of it is everybody in town is just as scared of Caleb as Clem is. I doubt if they'll even have the nerve to bid against him at the sale. Yeah, I know. He'll probably get the place at not much more than the amount of the mortgage. $420. Matt, I've seen more than that change hands across a poker table here in one deal. You think that's all it takes? I beg your pardon, Miss Kitty. Oh, of course, Jack. I'm not usually one to eavesdrop on people, but I have been listening to you, too. Uh, Jack, have you met Marshal Dillon? No, I haven't had the pleasure. The reason I butted in, Miss Kitty, I heard you talking about these people losing their home. I don't know, this fellow Blake, he's never done any business over my table and probably never will. No, I, I don't think he's ever been in here. And I don't know if this will make sense. But the thing is, I left home when I was ten years old, and I've been drifting ever since. When I see somebody like this Blake that sticks it out and works and fights and then gets a raw deal, well, what I'm getting at... Here's $50, if that'll help him any. Oh, Jack. Well, this is awful decent of you, Jack. Matt, I said a while ago that nearly everyone in town was afraid of Caleb. Yeah? Well, there's some who aren't, like Jack here and me and the rest of the dealers and the gamblers and the, the girls and the bartenders. That's right, Miss Kitty. Because we're drifters. We got nothing to lose. Matt, I'll raise $420 right here in the Texas Trail. By heaven, Kitty, I think you could. Well, I can't do as well as Jack, but... <laughs> uh, here's 20 for me. Boys! Everybody! Now listen to me for a minute. I got something to say. He's sure taking his time getting here, Chester. Well, I told him what you said, Mr. Dillon. Well, that ought to bring him on the run, if anything, Will. Anytime Caleb figures he's about to lose a dollar or two, it's hitting him where it hurts. The Blake's turned in for the night? Yeah, I guess so. It's been quiet back there for the last few minutes. Marshal, what's this all about? Well, shut the door, Caleb. We're trying to keep it warm in here. Would you mind telling me why I've been called over here at this time of night? Yeah, sure. Here's $420. The Blakes want to pay off the mortgage. They do, do they? The court costs up to now probably run about $10. I'll pay that myself. That's mighty generous of you. Well, good night, Marshal. Is it a deal, then? I am not the least bit interested in having that mortgage paid off, Marshal Dillon. 
The Blake farm is worth about $2,000 now, and in five years it'll be worth three times that much. Land's going up in Ford County. That's why I'm grabbing every piece I can get. So I don't want the money. I want the farm. And when it's put up for sale, I'll get it at my own price. The foreclosure still goes. Let's see. Good night, gentlemen. Well, I guess that's that, Mr. Dillon. I don't know why I even thought he'd take the money. The Blakes won't get a cent out of the sale. He'll scare everybody off and bid it in a few dollars over the amount of the mortgage, and nobody in town will even try to... Even try to... Try to what, Mr. Dillon? Chester, I'm going over and wake up Clem Bates. I got an idea, and if it works, we'll hold that sale at noon tomorrow. That's pretty short notice to find an auctioneer. I don't need an auctioneer, Chester. This one I'm going to run myself. This is a foreclosure sale of the property and household effects of Edward and Martha Blake, ordered by the court at the request of that fine-spirited, good-hearted public benefactor and friend and neighbor of us all, Caleb Andrews. Marshal Dillon, I refuse to tolerate this. Caleb, I think we better get one thing straight right now. The law tells me I gotta conduct this sale, but the law doesn't tell me what I gotta say while I'm conducting it. Get on with it. Get on with the sale. All right. Now, uh, the first item I'm offering is a breadboard. Ms. Blake tells me she's used this for nearly ten years. That's a lot of loaves of bread. A lot of years. As you can see, it's pretty badly battered up. I doubt if it'd be worth much to anybody unless they were used to it. Suppose we started at 50 cents. Is there anybody here low enough to bid 50 cents for Mrs. Blake's breadboard? How about you, Caleb? I'm not interested in the item. Get on with the sale. Anybody else? No? All right, then. The second item. It's a crib. Now, you'll notice it's handmade. Rough construction. Never been painted. And it's been well used. Ed built it himself 12 years ago, just before Jimmy was born. There are teeth marks all over the slats here, but that doesn't really hurt anything. Marshal also... Dillon, may I suggest you lump the household effects together and offer them as one bulk item? I'm sorry, Caleb. I'd rather offer them one at a time. Yes. Unless, of course, you'd care to waive all claim to the household effects and withdraw them from the order of foreclosure. I waive the claim. The household goods are withdrawn. Now get on to the house and land. So ordered. Now, the item offered is 160 acres of tillable land, a four-room house, and a barn. I won't read through the description. You all know the property. It's a good farm. The amount of the mortgage is $420, held by Caleb Andrews. All right, the bidding's open. What am I offered? $450. I have $450 from Cable Andrews. Do I hear another bid? Oh, the farm's worth $2,000. You're going to let him have it for $450? How about another bidder? Mr. Dillon? Yeah, what is it, Chester? Well, I've been thinking some lately of getting me a little place like this and settling down. I'll, I'll bid $1,000. I have $1,000. Do I hear another bid? It's a trick. He doesn't want this place. $1,000 going once. $1,200. Caleb Andrews bids $1,200. What do you say, Chester? Well, sir, I, I think I kind of like this farm. $1,500. This is ridiculous. The bid is $1,500 going once. Going twice. $1,600. $1,600 from Mr. Andrews. Chester? $8,420. He never had that much money in his whole life. Do I hear another bid? Oh, what do you say, Caleb? Do you think I'm a fool? Going once, going twice, 
Sold. The Chester Proud Foot for $8,420. The buyer will come forward and complete the sale. Don't you worry none about me, Mr. Andrews. I got it right here. There, there there's $8,000 in $500 bills, and here is the $420. Where did you ever get that much in cash? Well, I saved my pay, Mr. Andrews. Then, of course, I, I drink just mostly beer. It adds up after a while. Caleb, I guess $420 of this is yours. And that takes care of the money. Well, Ed, looks like you made a pretty fair profit on the place. Here's a lot better than I expected. Here's your money. Thank you, Matt. But I tell you, I'd still... I'd still rather have the farm than the money. Well, now, I've been sort of thinking it over, Mr. Blake. (laughs) Maybe I kind of lost my head. But when you come right down to it, I don't know what I'd ever do with a farm, so... If you'd like to buy it, I'll take a $420 loss and sell it back to you for $8,000 cash. (laughs) Don, here's your money. This is unheard of. They can't do it, Marshal. Well, as far as I know, there's no law against a man selling his own property. Now, the way I see it, Mr. Andrews, is right this minute you're a trespasser on my property. Come on, let's go. I'm going, Gracie. Who do you think you're landing? Chester. You better get that $8,000 back to the bank. Clem Bates is probably worrying himself into a breakdown for fear somebody will find out that he let us have it. All right, Mr. Dillon, I'll see you in town later. Yeah. Oh, Matt, Matt, I I don't know how we can ever thank you for what you've done. Uh, Not me, Martha. Thank the bunch that work at the Texas Trail. You know, they're bums and drifters, most of them. But when Kitty told them the story, they really came through. We'll pay it back, Matt, every cent of it. And, well, that that girl, Kitty, I I guess I've said some hard things about her in the past, but... Matt, will you ask her to come out to dinner some afternoon? What? I'd like to thank her myself. (laughs) Sure, Martha. I'll ask her. And I think she'll appreciate that more than you'll ever know. Smoke under the direction of Norman McDonald stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Les Crutchfield, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Harry Bartell, Paula Winslow, and Richard Beals, with Joe Duval, Lawrence Dobkin, and Jim Nusser. Parley Bear is Chester and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Here's a suggestion for Saturday listening. Fun for All, starring Bill Cullen and Arlene Francis, and John Reed King's great show, Give and Take. Hear them tomorrow on CBS Radio. Clancy Cassell speaking. And remember, you'll find Western adventure and music with Gene Autry Saturday evenings on the CBS Radio Network.
Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. stranger named Joe Beaudry killed a man in Dodge and then got on his horse and rode 90 miles northwest. He made it across the Smoky Hill River before his horse played out and fell behind a small knoll. Beaudry put a knife in him and settled on to wait. Half hour later, he shot my horse off from under me and crippled Chester's with a slug in the shoulder. And then he gave up. He just threw down his guns and walked toward us across the prairie. His hands in the air. You think it's a trick, Mr. Dillon? I don't know, Chester, but if he makes a move, I'll kill him. Yes, sir. That's far enough, Godry. Now turn around. I ain't armed, Marshal. No. You know, I'm curious, Godry. Why didn't you shoot it out? I don't want to kill anybody, Marshal. You killed a man in Dodge. He went for his gun. I had to. Some of the witnesses say he didn't. Oh, sure. Friends of his. I heard him. That's why I lit out. Man looks guilty when he runs. You should have stayed and faced it. Now, what kind of shake did I get in a strange town, Marshal? Everybody be against me. The law protects you if you're innocent. You'll have to stand trial now anyway. Well, maybe I made a mistake, but I'm still alive. Yeah. And a long way from Dodge. Say, by gracious, that's right. Uh, How are we going to get back, Mr. Dillon? Well, we crossed the Overland Express Road about five miles back. We just walked to the road and wait for a stage, I guess. Yeah, but the stage don't go up to Dodge from here, sir. Well, we'll take it into Fort Donner. Maybe the Army will lend us some horses there, and we can turn them back at Fort Dodge. Marshal. Yeah. Well, I know you don't owe me no favors, Marshal, but... i never been arrested before. I, I'd be kind of ashamed in front of everybody at stage. Well, that's tough, Beaudry. What do you expect me to do? Well, only a little thing, Marshal, will make any difference to you. Just don't let them know that you're taking me in, is all. All right, Beaudry, I guess it doesn't matter. Oh, thanks. I'm not wearing a badge anyway. But you make one move and I'll hogtie you and you'll ride on the roof. Or you'll be dead. Well, it's a deal, Marshal. You'll get a fair trial, Beaudry. If you're innocent, you'll go free. Well, if it is a fair trial, I'm going back to California. I don't know why I ever left it. You come from California? Yeah. Hey, Marshal, look, is it all right if I lug my saddle back with me? Yeah, sure. We're not leaving ours. Uh, Chester, I'll go with Beaudry and get his guns. Yes, Mr. Dillon. I sure do wish you'd stop closer to the stage road, though, Beaudry. Five miles is a long way packing a saddle. Go take care of your horse, Chester. Let's get out of here. Yes, sir. A doggone shame, though. That was a mighty good horse. Come on, Beaudry. I sure hope the stage hasn't gone by already, Mr. Dillon. Why don't you get off your back and look down the road, Chester? Well, I declare. Looky, Andre, it's a coming. And it's painted bright red, too, Mr. Dillon. Hey, what if they don't stop for us, Marshal? Road agents don't usually carry their saddles. The driver will notice that if he's awake. Driving a six-horse hitch ought to keep him awake. Yeah, but not sober. It's a shotgun the messenger's holding. He doesn't need it. We want a ride, that's all. Where's your horses? Marshal, please, you remember what you said. We lost them. You don't look like greenhorns to me. It can happen to anyone. That's cool. The one in the middle ain't even armed. Pick him up, Hank. All right, Berryman, it's your treasure box. How far are you going? Fort Downer. It's about 60 miles to Fort Downer. You're crowding us. That'll be 15 cents a mile. 
How much is that, Mr. Dillon? Uh, about $9, Chester. $9 a piece, that is, and payable right here. All right. It's high, but I can't argue with you now. Here you are. 20, 5, 6, 7. All right, mister. Get in. I don't know how the passengers are going to like this, though. You got room for a couple more in here? Anybody can't keep his horse or to walk home. There's room for two, maybe, but not three. Oh? Take a look for yourself, mister. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, Chester? Oh, now, sir, I, I can't... I don't want Godry on top. You'll have to get up there, Chester. Well, I guess you're right, sir. But I think you fellas ought to charge us less if I can't ride inside. The Overland stage guarantees a ride, mister. Comforts the passengers' problem. Get in, Baudry. Yeah. Now get fixed somehow. You've held us up long enough. Give me a hand. You don't look like a judge, mister. I'm not a judge. Well, you must be important somehow. We order these men around, and that fellow on top there calls you sir. Dylan? Well, let's just say that I'm sort of the boss of this outfit, mister. Uh, what'd you say your name was? I didn't say. It happens to be Dylan. Well, I'm Zimmer. Old man here called himself Gant. My name is Gant. I ain't ashamed of it. I don't give a long hoot what any of you call yourselves. <laughs> Gant's kind of crusty. But he's sober. That's more than I can say for the other two here. They only wake up long enough to pull on that jug they got and get drunk enough to go back to sleep. Well, that's not a bad way to travel if your stomach can stand it, I guess. No, he ain't doing myself if I was younger. What business you in, Dylan? You don't ask too many questions, Jimmy. You ain't got no manners. Nobody's asking you, old man. Good, good. Then I don't have to listen to your gobbling. Now, listen here, Gant. Any more out of you, oh, and I'll tell you a pup. You can't spoke me. I'm too old. Uh, Eighty-five, mister. Would you believe it? Uh, no, sir. I wouldn't. That's mighty old. You sure don't look it. I knew Meriwether Lewis, mister. Met him in St. Louis when he and Clark come back from the Pacific. Now who's doing all the talking? Leave him be, Zimmer. There's no harm in passing the time. Uh, look, mister. You may be the boss of these other fellas, but you don't run me. Nobody's trying to run you. Just take it easy. Uh, uh, don't pay him no mind, Dylan. He's just nervous about something. What are you driving at, old man? Uh, we'll be in Monument Station about an hour, Dylan. Spend the night there. Just hope the chow's improved. Last time I was there, all I had was fat pork. One practice is I never eat fat pork. So the cook told him, well, then just help yourself to the mustard. <laughs> <laughs> Monument Station was a long, low hut made of sun-dried, mud-colored bricks with a flat roof thatched and then sodded. The one building served as an eating room in the daytime and a bunkhouse at night. There wasn't much air inside, and after dinner, fat pork and mustard, Chester, Baudry, and I went out to the corral for a smoke. My gracious alive, I hate to think of sleeping in there. All those men, why, a fella could suffocate. And I'll bet that stock tender hasn't washed himself since he left home. He said he washed his blankets anyways, just this morning. Yeah, sure. You know how? He spreads it on an anthill for a couple of hours. Oh, well, that settles it. I'm sleeping outside. <laughs> All right, Chester. We just don't get too cozy. Half the night you're standing guard over Baudry here. I'll watch him the other half. Well, I'm not going to run away, Marshal. You ran once, Baudry. All right, I'll tell you something. Maybe you'll trust me a little in. Tell me what? Would you like to know who Zimmer is? Zimmer? He that real testy fella? I don't like him at all. He's always on the prod about something or other. Wait a minute, Chester. Wait a minute. What about Zimmer, Baudry? His real name is Chess Ryan. So? Well, at least that's the name was under his picture. Well, where was this picture, Baudry? Well, in California, tacked onto a pole. Go on. 
Well, I think the reward was $500. Of course, I ain't certain. You're sure it was his picture? Yeah, Marshal, I'm sure. Heard a lot of talk about him in Sacramento just before I left. What kind of talk? Well, like one time he rode in a stagecoach as a passenger, and he was peaceful enough until some fellows on horses, they stopped that stage in a canyon somewhere, and then this here, Chess Ryan, he pulled a gun on the other passengers, and he disarmed them whilst the boys outside unloaded the treasure box. They had an extra saddle horse along, and Ryan, he rode off with them. That's the way I heard it. Seems to me he went to a lot of trouble. Uh, sometimes the passengers give road agents as much fight as the driver and messenger, Chester. They feel safe because they're inside. Yeah, and that's what Chess Ryan figured. What, are you going to arrest him, Marshal? I can't arrest a man without cause, Bodry. You may be telling the truth, but I don't know that for sure. I can check on Zimmer when we get to Fort Donner, but all I can do to Lynn's keep an eye on Well, this stage will be robbed long before it gets to Fort Downer, Marshal. Yeah, maybe, but not without a fight. Thanks for telling me, Baudry, and for your sake, I hope it's the truth. If it isn't, you're going to be in more trouble than you are now. All right, keep an eye on him, Chester. I'll be back in a few minutes. Yes, sir. Berryman? Yeah? Uh, out here a minute, will you? What's up, mister? I want to talk to you, that's all. Alone. Come on outside, huh? Be right back, Hank. Save some of that whiskey for me. Right, Barry. What's on your mind, mister? How long you been an express messenger, Barryman? Two years? Not that it's any business of yours. Did you run into any trouble in that time? Some. Why? I just want to know if you can handle yourself, that's all. You want to find out? <laughs> Look, Berryman, you know my name. It's Dillon. I'm Matt Dillon. I'm the U.S. Marshal out of Dodge. Dillon. Dillon. Yeah, I think I remember seeing you there. Good. Now tell me this. You carrying much in that treasure box of yours? The messenger who brought it as far as Pond Creek said it was $50,000. Unsigned currency, mostly. Mm-hmm. Something up, Marshal? Well, maybe. Uh, tell me, what's the best place for a holdup between here and Fort Downer? Oh, well, Willow Bend, I expect. Man on a horse could keep hidden there till we were right on top of him. All right, tell the driver to whip those horses through Willow Bend as fast as they'll go. Chester will be on the roof to help you, and I'll sort of organize the passengers inside. Well, now if there's going to be a holdup, Marshal, you Well, I, get... I don't know, I don't know, but we'll play it safe. And, uh... By the way, Berryman, don't let on inside there about this, huh? Or uh, who I am. All right? Okay, Marshal. Thank you. Good night, Berryman. Good night, Marshal. Oh, Marshal. Yeah? We got a jug of station whiskey inside if you want a drink. <laughs> I don't think it'd do much good. I've heard of that stuff freezing solid on a cold night. Return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, backing up the great CBS Radio News team election night will be Univac, the new electric brain operating for the first time to bring you faster, more accurate, more complete election night totals. November 4th, starting at 8 p.m. New York time, CBS Radio reports the election returns from coast to coast. Make CBS Radio your election headquarters to hear the trends, the color, and the mounting tide of results. Reported by Edward R. Murrow, Lowell Thomas, and the rest of the same great CBS radio team that made convention reporting history earlier this year. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Next morning, just after sunup, the stage left Monument Station. It was ten miles to Willow Bend and twelve miles to the next change of horses at a small swing station run by a lone stock tender. Zimmer, or 
Chest wine, if that's who he was, seemed nervous. Too nervous for an experienced road agent, but maybe he had figured me for what I was, and that gave him the jumps. Anyway, I sat next to him so I could handle him faster if and when the time came. We drove at an easy pace until we neared the bend. Then the driver popped his whip over the teams and they began to run hard. But suddenly he was pulling them in and breaking them at the same time. One move by Zimmer at that point and I'd have killed or crippled him. What are we stopping here for? Hey, driver! What's up? Ah, wheel's been dragging. Couldn't you feel it, Paul? All right, everybody out. Well, what's the idea, driver? What's wrong? The wheel's stuck. Can't pull it off with you in there. Come on, hurry it up. Beaudrys, huh? get over there by Chester. Oh, don't you worry about me. You keep an eye on Reed. Go on now. Come on. What do you think, Dylan? Now, they'd have jumped us by now, Berryman, while everybody was still inside. But keep your head up anyway. You watch the other side of the coach. I'll stay here. Okay. What do you mean it wasn't greased? Why not? It's sizzling hot. We have to cool before we can take it off. That drunken fool at Monument didn't grease this one, that's all. Take a bullwhip to him when I get back there. Well, you can grease it now, can't you? I could, mister, if I had any grease. Well, you mean you haven't got any? Not unless I render you down and make some. Now, get out of my way. Well, any more of that and I'll... All right, I'll have to get it. What are we going to do? How about grass, driver? Hey, that's an idea. Wrap it around the spindle and go it till it wears out. It won't last long, but we can keep putting it on till we get to the next station. Uh, we'll be all day stopping every half mile. Uh, why don't you greenhorns ask a real man how to fix it? All right, Pop. How are we going to fix it? Cheese. Cheese? Yes, cheese. 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 It was fine, too. Yeah, it might at that. I suppose you brought some cheese along just in case, Pop, huh? I brought it along to eat. Well, I'll let you have it. It's in my carpet bag. (laughs) (laughs) Old Gant's cheese worked fine, and we left Willow Bend without more trouble. I began to figure Baudry for a liar, but... He just sat there, staring out at the prairie. Said nothing. A few miles further on, as we approached the swing station, I heard a shot from the messenger, and then Beaudry pointed ahead. And I leaned out to take a look. The station was a small, one-room adobe hut with the usual corral at the rear, but there wasn't a horse in sight. And out of the two windows facing us poured thin streams of white smoke. As the stage pulled to a stop, I saw two arrows embedded in the half-open door. Come on, Look at them arrows. Wait a minute. Uh, let me take a look in there. Let's all take a look, Zimmer. Where's the stock tender? They kill him? They tried to fire the place, but it just smoldered. Who are those two men? I don't know. But this one's still alive. Well, that's the stock tender. But who are those two? Uh, never mind them. They're dead. Scalp. Indians sure must have surprised him. Sneaked right up. All right, Berryman. Let's get the stock tender out of this smoke. Take his head there. Yeah. I scalped him, too. And he ain't even dead. Never mind that. Just pick him up easy. It's all right, fella. Stage is here. Indians, Comanches, they, they scalped me. Never even heard them. Ask them who those other men were. What were they doing here? Leave them be. The man's dying. Water. Give me a drink. Chester, get the water bag. Yes, sir. Can't you let the man alone, Dylan? Yes, scalped three men and stole horses. <coughs> That's Comanches for you. Here's the water, sir. Oh, thanks. Here, fella. Here now. Take a drink. There we go. Lord Agents, those two, they held me up. They said they'd hide till the horses were unhitched. And then, then hold up the stage. Had a partner on the stage to 
keep the passengers out of it. What was his name? Their partner, I mean. Put my head down, mister. It's... It's bubbling over. The stock tender's eyes clouded up and went blank as I lay his head back. And then there was a scuffle behind me, and before anybody could move, Zimmer grabbed Gant, and using him as a shield, he walked backward toward the stage. The old man stopped struggling when he felt Zimmer's gun in his back, and the rest of us just stood there watching, helpless. First man draws a gun, Gant'll die. You gave yourself away, Chess Ryan. Oh, take it easy, man, take it easy. This, this fool's nervous. Shut up. You, drive it. Lead those teams down the road a piece, and then come back here. Gann and I will take the stage alone. Come on! You better do what he says, driver. He's scared enough to shoot. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm better. What are you stopping for? Take him 50 yards down there. Can't do it. That wheel's froze up again. He ain't going anywhere at that stage. <laughs> Might as well give up right now, young fool. I never did like you, Gant. Ryan, listen to me. You've made your play and you've lost. If you give up now, the charges will be attempted robbery. If you don't, they'll probably turn into murder. Who are you anyway, mister? I'm a U.S. Marshal. Well, you're not arresting nobody. Not unless you want Gant dead. You make a move and his blood will be on your hands, Marshal. You can't hold him there forever, Ryan. The stage going west passes through sometime today. What'll you do then? He's right. That stage passes this station about noon. I drive it myself half the time. I'll think of something. Uh, first, I, I want all your men to unload your weapons. Line up and throw them in a pile there. One at a time. But you even start to try anything and I'll blow a hole in the old man. You think you would, Mr. Dillon? He's so nervous now, it's a wonder he doesn't do it by accident, Chester. I get going, don't stand there. One at a time now. And use two fingers to do it. All right, man, you better do as he says. Now? Go ahead. Easy. All right, next man. Baudry. Yeah? You're the only man who might There's stop mine. this. Oh. Pretend to join him. You trust me that much? I have to. Okay, Parker. All right, easy now. Two fingers. All right, next man. Ryan. Hold it right there, Portry. Well, I'm not armed, Ryan. Look. But you know why? Too yellow, maybe. Oh, the marshal's got my gun. I'm under arrest. He's taking you in, is that it? He was, till I woke up just now. I, I, I killed a man in Dodge, Ryan. They want to hang me for it. Now, Baudry, we told you you'd get a fair trial. Yes, What's more? Shut up. Yes, sir. Well, look at you. I haven't got much chance alone, Ryan. But you and me, we can disarm these men, throw away their guns, and, and ride off on those horses without the coach. You do that, Baudry, and I'll quit my job and run you down if I have to chase you all the way to Oregon. I couldn't show up in Dodge after this anyway. Well, I'll be watching for you, Marshal. It beats hanging. Well, how about it, Ryan? Make a fool out of Dylan, huh? I like that. I pick up a gun, Baudry, and get over here. I'm warning you, Baudry. Sorry. I figure I'll live longer this way, Marshal. Yeah. Yeah, you hold the old man, Baudry. I want a free hand. Yeah. I'll kill Gant quicker than Ryan would. Any of you men try anything? You heard him? Now, uh, let's get this over with. Fast. Ryan, I want to tell you something. That's far enough, Marshal. All that... That gun in your hand, Ryan, you better keep it on me. You even glance at Baudry and I'll draw and kill you. What are you talking about? You shoot me and Baudry will kill you from behind. What? That's right, Ryan. Yeah, you walk back over towards the house so he can see I'll let you go. He 
big trick, you two. But I can still kill you, Marshal. Yeah, that's right, Ryan. You can still kill me. But I'm paid to die. I settled that in my mind when I took this job. It's only a matter of time. But what about you, Ryan? You ready to die? I... I... You can't do this. I'm doing it, Ryan. I'm doing it now. I'm going to walk right up to you, and you're going to give me that gun. First stop, Marshal. Don't. Your spine if you shoot, Ryan. Let me have the gun, Ryan. Huh? Huh? Easy, no. Ryan. Now! Did he hit you, Mr. Dillon? No, he waited a second too long. It worked, Marshal. Oh, you worked. Yeah. Yeah, you did fine, Baudry. I'm going to remember it. Yeah. Now, give me back that gun. You still going to take me in? Of course. No, that... That don't seem fair, Dylan. I'm only a marshal, Baudry, not a judge. Oh. I'm not sure I wouldn't rather die right here. Wait, Baudry. Now, I'll testify at your trial, and I promise you it'll be a fair one, but that's all. Now, give me the gun. You don't make it easy, Marshal. My job's to bring you in. Any way I can get you there. Dead or alive, huh? That's right. Here's a gun. Thank you. The next day, I turned Chess Ryan over to the Army at Fort Donner. The colonel wanted credit for sending him back to California, and I wanted to be rid of him. Took us three days to ride back to Dodge. On the way, we got to be real good friends with Joe Poudry. I wouldn't let him have his gun back. But even so, he managed to supply us with antelope steaks every morning. I made him borrow Chester's gun. Gunsmoke, transcribed under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin and Lou Krugman, with Vic Perham, Junius Matthews, Jim Nusser, and Ralph Moody. Harley Bayer is Chester. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Thousands of acres of timber are afire in the Midwest, New England, Far West, and Southern areas. This is a word of warning to all who may be in or near woodlands. Take every precaution to avoid setting fires with cigarettes, matches, campfires. Timber is vital to America's defense. Human lives and property are at stake, too. Hunters especially are urged to exercise caution. Any further damage may result in suspension of the hunting season indefinitely. Clancy Cassell speaking, and remember Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy open fire on your funny bones Sunday nights on the CBS radio network. <laughs>